I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth Admission, it's one of the most enduring questions in San Francisco. What should be done when a person is in clear distress on the streets and urgently needs help? A little more than two years ago, the answer to that question changed. Mayor London Breed launched what are known as street crisis response teams. Instead of a police officer responding, a mental health clinician, a community paramedic, and a peer advocate arrived. Their job was to de-escalate the situation, offer services, and in some cases, put a person on an involuntary psychiatric hold, commonly known as a 5150. Now, the city is making another big change, announcing recently that the mental health clinicians, who are the team members with authority to decide on those 5150s, would be replaced with EMTs. The clinicians were shocked by the move. They say it's a step backward for a city in desperate need of better street outreach. My guest, who's been following the story, is Nula Bashari, a Chronicle opinion columnist and editorial writer. Nula, welcome to Fifth and Mission. Thank you for having me. Nula, we've talked before about San Francisco's crisis response teams on this podcast, but give us a recap. What are they meant to do? What are they meant to provide? Sure. So crisis response teams really picked up speed across the nation in 2020. In the wake of George Floyd protests, people were really demanding an alternative to policing for certain calls. And Mayor London Breed hopped on that wave with the creation of San Francisco Street Crisis Response Team. So for the past two years, these teams have expanded to the entire city and have included a paramedic, a mental health clinician, and a peer mentor with lived experience of homelessness on board. So in order to access them, people call 911, and a dispatcher will determine if it's appropriate to send police or the street crisis response team to a scene. It really gets into this question about what should people do if they see someone that appears to need immediate help. Exactly, yeah. And that's something that I think many San Franciscans have struggled with for a long time. And this is meant to be sort of a solution to that. So if you encounter somebody who's in crisis on the street, not knowing who to call has been a really frustrating experience for many residents of the city over the past few years. Last night, for example, I was leaving a talk at SF Jazz and was walking to my car and discovered somebody who was standing on a street corner wrapped in a blanket who was very clearly in distress. They were crying for help. They were saying, can someone please help me? And I was in the middle of this huge crowd of people who just left this talk. And despite having written a lot about street crisis response teams in the past few months, I was momentarily at a loss of what to do. And I think that is something that many San Franciscans encounter. Um, I did decide in the end that I was going to call 911 and ask for the street crisis response team to respond to the situation, but someone else had already called. So there is a little bit of awareness growing in how to respond to these crises on the streets. All right. On a very basic level, why replace police with these special teams? I think it's about having people who are really qualified to de-escalate a lot of these situations. If police respond to somebody who, for example, is unclothed and, and running through traffic and having some sort of mental health crisis, they're not going to have the skills and training to respond to that person that, say, a trained mental health clinician or even a paramedic would have. So it's looking at these situations on our streets with a really health-centered lens, whether it's behavioral health, a mental health crisis, or um, a physical health crisis that's going on. So now that this has been going on, and, and we know the city is studying the program, they've been tracking it, um, do we know whether it's been successful? Well, successful is um, kind of open to interpretation, but they have been responding to a lot of calls. So the way that the city has been tracking their response is much like 911. They've been largely looking at the number of calls that come in and the time between when a call comes in and the team arrives on scene. 
So in two years between November 2020 and November 2022, the street crisis response team responded to more than 14,000 calls in an average of 17 minutes, which I would say is pretty successful. And Nula, the police themselves don't really want to go to these calls, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think police are more interested in solving crimes um, and addressing those sorts of issues as opposed to responding to somebody who is unclothed running through traffic. I think that's a difficult situation. So having people who are more trained to assess the crises that are happening on our streets and direct people to the care that they need is really a benefit for everybody. All right. Let's get to your recent reporting. Last month, the city announced a big change to the way that these crisis teams operate. What happened? The city's new plan is to actually remove the mental health clinicians from the mobile vans and replace them with an EMT. So each van responding to a call now has a paramedic, an EMT, and a peer mentor, that person with lived experience of homelessness. Clinicians are not losing their jobs necessarily. They're just being moved to doing follow-up care after teams respond to calls. The city's justification for this is that helping someone who is in crisis and then leaving them on the street isn't a long-term solution. Intensive case management could potentially help them get indoors. But from a practical standpoint, what is lost by not having the clinician out there? There's a lot that seems to be lost. First of all, having somebody who is trained to de-escalate a situation on board is really valuable. And a lot of these paramedics and peer mentors have some de-escalation training, but they don't have a degree in it. Um, So having somebody with an extensive background in assessing somebody's behavioral health crisis is a really vital part to these teams in general. And at the same time, if somebody is experiencing a really severe mental health crisis and needs to be put on an involuntary psychiatric hold, which we call a 5150, the mental health clinicians were trained to assess that, determine if that was the right path for somebody, and then also issue those. Um, They were permitted to do so, but the community paramedics and the EMTs on these rigs are not currently allowed to do that. And so right now, the street crisis response team does not have anybody on board who can issue a 5150 hold. They have to call a captain from out of the van um, to attend to the scene and respond. And I want to ask you more about 5150s later. It's become such a big tension point in the city. Yes. But first, what was the reaction to this change among people that are in this line of work? Absolute shock. The decision seems to have been made by the city behind closed doors to the point where even HealthRight 360, which is the nonprofit who employs the clinicians, was not informed about the decision until after it had been made. And they didn't even have time to inform their staff of the decision. The fire department instead did so in an all-hands meeting. So there was a lot of surprise, a lot of frustration and not being included in the conversation. And many of the clinicians who are really committed to doing this mobile crisis outreach have quit. You know, their jobs changed out from under them. Many moved from other parts of California where they were working with other street crisis response teams to help San Francisco launch theirs. And so they feel really betrayed by this decision and think it's a huge step backward. And what's what remains? What are the roles? What are the skills that are still on these teams? So there are still some really valuable skills on the teams. I think it's really important to have a paramedic on board these rigs. They're unequivocally vital. They can assess if someone is actually having a mental health crisis or perhaps suffers from dementia or if somebody is on drugs or is having a heart attack. So the really valuable medical side will still be there. And the peer mentors are also invaluable. They act as an advocate for people in crisis, helping to outline the options available to them and help them make decisions around what path of care they want to follow. But I don't actually know what an EMT will add to this team, aside from some additional health care. 
All right, I want to take a quick break. When we come back on Fifth and Mission, more with Nula Bashari. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Welcome back to Fifth Emission. I'm Damian Bolwood, joined by Nula Bashari, a Chronicle editorial writer and opinion columnist. We're talking about San Francisco's street crisis teams and the removal of clinicians from the teams that respond to these calls. Nula, 5150s have been such a tense issue in San Francisco. There's a lot of people who believe more people should be forced into treatment or compelled into psychiatric care. Why is this such a big issue in San Francisco? I think that the obvious nature of how many people are in severe mental crisis on our streets has made 5150s a really loaded topic for everybody. There's a lot of pressure on politicians to address the crises on our streets. There's a lot of action coming from Sacramento. And so it's just been a really hot political topic for a while now. And just lay out the basics here. I mean, what does it take to to say this person needs involuntary care? And then what are the person's rights in that situation? So under California state law, 5150s can only be issued if somebody is a danger to themselves or somebody else or is gravely disabled. So they can be held in psychiatric emergency services for a certain period of time before they legally have to be released um, pending a good reason for further commitment to psychiatric treatment. And then how does this play out on something like the street crisis team? Well, this is a tricky thing, right? Because there are a lot of people who are being 5150'd in this city who are then being released back out onto the streets. So somebody, for example, who is on drugs and is having a mental health crisis and is deemed gravely disabled or potentially a danger to somebody else could end up going to psychiatric emergency services, being 5150'd, and then sobering up and you know getting on some medication and proving to doctors that they are actually capable of taking care of themselves and then they're released back out onto the street. And so people are cycling in and out of this system all the time. But you write that it's not quite as simple as just having a clinician out there making these calls. It goes a bit deeper, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think one of the questions that we have is, how many 5150s are an appropriate number for the street crisis response team to be doing? That's something that keeps coming up as I talk to different people about this issue. And about 5% of the calls that they were responding to were resulting in 5150s, which is a pretty low number. There are some people who say that number should be a lot higher, that just de-escalating somebody in the moment who is then going to have another extreme crisis the next day is not actually fixing any of the problems on our streets. But the mental health clinicians that I talked to said, no, actually having a lower number of 5150s is a good thing. That should be one of our goals, that we shouldn't rely on the most intensive form of treatment for people if there are other paths to care. So is there a mechanism for these teams to to help a person without compelling care? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that sometimes it just takes a long conversation with somebody to figure out um, why they're acting erratically. You know, and trained mental health clinicians have the capacity and the capability to do that. And some of these peer mentors do too. You know, sometimes somebody's just cold and they're kind of freaking out because they're really cold or they're stressed out or they haven't slept. And so getting them into shelter for a night um, where they can be warm and get some rest may actually de-escalate the situation instead of just sending them straight to the hospital. But one of the concerns that has been raised about not having mental health clinicians on board is that paramedics and EMTs are trained differently. They are trained to respond to situations quickly, to resolve 
resolve them quickly and then to move on to the next call. And so taking the time, which maybe it's an hour to deescalate somebody to figure out where to put them that is not a hospital, there's some concern that that delicate process won't happen, that there will be more 5150s um, because they are a faster way to get somebody off the street. Yeah, I mean, it's this whole argument of meeting people where they're at. And so not only knowing how to resolve it, but knowing perhaps what's next in the network of services. Exactly. And, you know, we all talk about 5150s as if they are the solution or this answer into a crisis, and they're absolutely not. I mean, people come out and go back on the streets all the time. And what we're missing is an actual robust system of care for people who are 5150. What treatment plans are in place to support them when they exit the hospital? We have very little resources in San Francisco. Simply increasing our 5150 numbers is not really going to make a huge dent in the crises on our streets. Nula, I want to just ask you a a broader question. I mean, you've done a lot of work on these subjects, and it's it's an issue in San Francisco and nationally. I mean, what is the thought right now about how it's going? How is Alternatives to Policing doing in the city and, and across the nation? I think we're still figuring that out. It's such a new program, and every city is doing something different. Berkeley just announced that they're launching theirs, modeled kind of after the former model that existed in San Francisco, so with a clinician, a paramedic, and a peer mentor. Um, Oakland has a pretty different model. They have teams of two Um, member of the fire department who's a paramedic, and then also somebody who is trained in mental health and de-escalation but doesn't necessarily have a degree in it. And in Oakland, they really do not want to do 5150s. I talked to the head of MACRO, which is their team out there, and he told me that in order to issue a 5150 in Oakland, you have to have the Oakland Police Department on scene which they really don't want to do. And so they do everything they can to avoid issuing them, which is a very different approach from San Francisco. So I think each city is trying to figure out how best to institute these and what their goals um, and successes are. So given the tension over the latest move on the crisis teams in San Francisco, where do we go from here? That's a good question. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what data the city collects now that the makeup of the staff on the rigs has been changed. I'm not sure how the data is going to alter, if it's going to look different. And then if people are going to be calling 911 for these teams to respond, you know, that's already been a really huge hurdle for people to clear, to have to call 911 and ask the dispatcher to send street crisis response team and not know if they're going to send that team or the police is kind of a risky endeavor for a lot of people. And so now knowing that there are no mental health clinicians on board, I do wonder if that's going to deter people from calling 911 when they see somebody in crisis. So whether or not this new makeup is going to be successful or not, time will tell. All right. And to be clear, if I see someone that appears to need urgent help, deep distress, what do I do? Call 911. Explain the situation to them. If it's a nonviolent scenario, they will probably send the street crisis response team out. All right. Nula Bashari, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks to my guest today. She's Chronicle opinion columnist and editorial writer Nula Bashari. Thanks to Francesca Fenzi for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. <laughs>